You're listening to the Pursue God Family Podcast, the official channel for marriage and parenting topics at PursueGod.org. Join Tracy and Brian Dwyer every week as they talk about living biblically in an increasingly secular world. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org slash family. Well, Tracy, today's topic is for parents out there, especially for parents of younger kids. If you're listening, I hope you pay attention these next few weeks because we're starting a little three-week series called Survival Guide for Parents. And really, Tracy, it's more than just about helping parents survive the parenting years, which we finally did. Thank the Lord. Our kids are both empty nesters, and um, and they're both alive, and we're both alive. So we've survived it. They've survived it. But more than that, today we want to talk about how to help your kids to thrive, really thrive, like leave the home, take ownership of their lives, do well in life. Um, and, and the image that we want to get people to buy into today is this this picture of Moses standing at the edge of the promised land thousands of years ago. He had led the or the, the people of Israel through the um, through the wilderness and 40 years of journeying through the wilderness. They got the Ten Commandments out there, and now they're peering into the promised land that they'd been waiting for for generations. And Moses is going to give a little speech, a little pep talk, and he's talking to parents and grandparents. And we're going to be looking at some of those words here today as we cover the first principle for really surviving the parenting years and more than that, helping your kids to thrive before we get to those words, Tracy, I think it's important for parents to understand the parenting promised land, if we're going to keep using this metaphor. If you want to help your kids get to the promised land, here's what we're talking about. This should be the goal of every Christian parent. We want to make sure that you know how to raise healthy kids who leave the home and love Jesus on their own. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're shooting for. And Tracy, we meet too many parents in our church and in ministry and in counseling who grieve over the decisions of their kids as they leave the home. And so we really want to make sure that younger parents especially are paying attention to what we're talking about in these next few weeks. Yeah, to me, uh, I mean, if you want to do parenting well, it's the hardest job. I mean, it requires... A lot of sacrifice and patience and love and seeking wisdom and hitting your knees and praying. And so I hope that this series and then this topic, as we start just this first principle, I hope it's encouraging to parents. And like you said, especially for parents of young kids, start now, start creating these foundational principles, put them into practice now because they will pay such great dividends for you later. But for the parents out there that maybe are fighting through some hard things with their kids, it's not too late to implement new things. It's not too late to try some different strategies. But at the end of the day, even though our default might be that we want to control our kids, that we want to just keep our thumb on them and just kind of force them to go according to our will, that isn't our best strategy if we really want to see our kids thrive, leave the home healthy and independent. We need to train them up as they go through all these different stages of development so that by the time it is time to leave the home, they have the right skills, they have the right perspective. You've released them enough that it isn't about controlling them to just bend to your will or to your way, but you've trained them 
to go beyond that, that they would understand that the environment you created was for their good and their benefit and what God has for what parents are supposed to do so that when they leave, they're armed and ready with the right things to lead a life that honors God themselves and then on to their own journey of being parents someday. Yeah, before we get into this first principle, Trace, I think it might be nice to share a little bit about our own kids, because I know that if I'm listening to um, parenting advice online through a podcast, I want to know that the, that this couple who's talking to me, that they've done it successfully. And so the things that we're talking about today and next week and the week after, in fact, anytime we talk about parenting or marriage on this podcast, we're not just talking about theory. We're talking about principles that we have put into play in our marriage and in our parenting. And so by the grace of God, our kids are doing really well. Our our oldest is a our daughter Kenzie. She's twenty two. She she is she's graduated from college. She's thriving at work. Um, she loves Jesus. She serves at her local church. Our son AJ just turned twenty. He's almost done with school with college. He's done really well as well. He's a high achiever like his sister is. He also loves Jesus. Now, I'm not saying our kids are perfect, but our kids have taken ownership of their life in every way. And our kids, uh, to include, and this is really important if you're a Christian parent, I hope you think about this, to include taking ownership of their faith. We wanted to make sure that raising our kids as pastor's kids, that they didn't grow up to sort of despise the church like we've see, we see with so many pastor's kids, really any Christian kids. So many Christian kids leave the faith when they leave the home. I think, Tracy, something like 80% or more. I, I think the number's even higher than that. Because this world just throws all kinds of information and misinformation at our kids, and our kids are taking that in for 18 years, and then we turn them out to the world, and it's so easy for them just to join in with the world rather than really owning their faith. By, by God's grace, our kids love Jesus. They're not perfect, but they love Jesus and they own their faith. Yeah, and certainly when you say that we've put these principles into practice, yes, we've tried. We haven't always succeeded. We've had our ups and downs. Uh, we we certainly have not done it perfectly. There are days that I lost my patience many times with my kids and frustration. But I can honestly say that we we really did try to put these principles into into focus. We we prayed over our kids and we really tried to create a conversational culture also that as our kids were growing older and hitting that late, you know, elementary years into junior high, into high school, that we really wanted to create an environment in our home that was safe for them, safe for them to ask their questions, to um, share things that they were facing or peer pressure, and that we created an environment where we could take God's word and say, Okay, how do how what's the right way to respond to that? How do we equip you to know how to respond to that situation? And I'm I am grateful to say that for both of our kids who have also, I mean, Kenzie is done with college. AJ is almost done with college. Those can be such hard years that they've held on to that bedrock. The because I think God became real to them at a young age that they didn't just leave it because they were riding the coattails of our faith, that they really had struggled with that and worked through that and had a foundation of the Bible in their life, that now as adults, they're, they have their own faith. They have their own worldview that's been shaped, um, partly by our influence, of course, but 
that's why I think that they're living a life trying to honor God in their life now as adults. And I know that for so many parents out there, that that's what we want for our kids, that they they choose to honor God with their life when they leave the home. They choose to honor God when they go to college and they're confronted with a million different things. But it starts by what we're doing in the home with our kids and from the youngest of ages that we can. Yeah, so if you're out there listening, I I hope that your kids are still pretty young. If your kids, maybe even some couples that are listening to this even before they have kids, that's great. Keep listening and tuck it away, the things that we're talking about today. Maybe some of you are listening and your kids are, you know, in elementary school. That's perfect because you can start integrating these principles into your parenting and we pray that it will do for you what it did for us and for our kids. Now, if you're listening and your kids are older, maybe you're listening because you're desperate and your kids are are struggling now. They're in their high school years or beyond and they haven't owned their faith Really, our heart is not to make you feel guilty about that. At the end of the day, it's the child's choice. And so for you parents, you can still learn from some of these principles. And hopefully you're going to continue to pray for your kids because their story's not over. God can still grab a hold of their hearts. And we will pray with you that that's just what happens. Now, we would like to, in the future, we'll probably have our kids on the show with us. Because I think it's going to be really insightful in future episodes to hear from kids who are still close enough to those child-rearing years that they they remember how it felt, some of these principles that we're talking about. In fact, we talk about this kind of stuff with our kids quite a bit. Um, we, we let them evaluate our parenting in the hopes that they would think about how they're going to parent their kids. And so we'll do some of that in front of all of you right here on this podcast. So <laughs> come back for some future episodes where we talk with our with our kids. But Tracy, let's get into parenting principle number one. And there's just three for this series, the Survival Guide series. And the first one is so very important. Parenting is like everything else in life. If you put God first, the rest of it falls into place. And so here it is, our first parenting principle, real simple, put God first. Okay, now now I want parents to listen to that right now. Put God first. We're not saying just to make your kids put God first. We're saying that you parents need to put God first in your life. You can't fool your kids. Your kids will know if if God is number one in your life. Your kids will know if you're living a Jesus-centered life. Your kids are going to pick up on that in 18 years of parenting. If you're if you're hypocritical, you put on a face at church whenever when all your Christian friends are watching, but at home in your marriage, you're not you're not living a Christ-centered life. So parenting principle number one, put God first. This is one of the best things that I feel like my my mom was a great example of this. That from a young age I remember I'd wake up for school and I'd go downstairs. And she'd be sitting there reading her Bible and then she'd make me breakfast and I'd get on with the day. And I, you know, I don't know that my mom realized that I paid attention to that until I was old enough to say like, hey, you know, I noticed, what what are you reading? Right. But that stuck with me as a child that I saw that my mom wanted to read God's word. And then even though she wasn't perfect, I did see that she tried to live out biblical principles and who she was as a woman, as a wife and as a mom. And so as parents, like you're saying, our kids are going to know what our, if we're genuine in our approach or not. So parents, it really starts with us. What are we modeling? 
what do our kids see about us as far as our priorities go? Am I talking about praying? Am I, am I reading my Bible? You know, am I, am I conducting myself in a way that seems consistent with things that they would hear at church? Or am I doing one thing in, in one setting and something different in another? And like you said, Bri, that hypocritical thing, like that's the thing that will turn off our kids the fastest to God because they use the model of parents and then they project that on God a lot. And then they would just say, none of it's real or you're fake. And so faith is fake and I'm not, I have no interest in it. Let's talk about Moses for a second. So there Moses is, he, he has led the Israelites out of slavery and bondage in Egypt, which by the way, is another great metaphor that we're leading our kids away from bondage. We're leading our kids away from slavery toward the promised land. So Deuteronomy chapter five, here we have Moses kind of giving his last little pep talk. They're looking into the promised land with parents and grandparents there. He's getting them ready for life in the promised land. What a great visual that is, right? That's kind of what parents are doing. We're, we're getting our kids ready for life in the promised land. By the way, life without us, because Moses isn't going to go into the promised land with the Israelites. And here's what he says. He's recapping in, in Deuteronomy 5, starting in verse 7. He's recapping the Ten Commandments. He, and look what he says. He said, number one, you must not have any God but me. Number two, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. If you, you must not bow down to worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. It's interesting, he says here, second half of verse 9, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. That's interesting. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Now, we'll talk about this at length in another episode for sure. Our, our generational curse is a thing, but just a, just a quick little comment on that. I think what he's saying is, what parents, what you do, what you do is going to be picked up on and learned by your kids. And so you're going to end up passing. It's not like some spiritual thing. It's just a practical thing. You're going to be passing on your affections to your kids, what you fall in love with, what you idolize. If you put something above God, then guess what? Your kids are going to put something above. More often than not, your kids are going to take a cue from that. They're going to learn from that. And so that's why that children, even in the third and fourth generation, we're talking about great grand, not just grandkids, but great grandkids as well. This is what he's saying. But he says in verse 10, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. So look, we're, we're not even at the main thing. The main thing we want to share about Moses and his admonition to the parents and grandparents is going to come in chapter six. But to set it up, we have to understand the context is chapter five, and, and Moses is recapping the Ten Commandments. And he's essentially saying, you shouldn't have any idols. Make sure that you put God first. Now, Tracy, this was over 3,000 years ago that Moses speaks this to the Israelites. It's crazy that it still applies today, even though the idols in our lives today might look a little different. Well, I'll tell you too, this was a this is convicting to me because it's so easy as parents, like we just kind of you just kind of go with what everybody else is doing. So as our kids were like early elementary, like the sports thing started to kind of pick up. And now you're like, okay, mm, 
our kids probably you can't shouldn't be doing the rec league stuff. That doesn't seem like the place where kids go now. Now we need to start doing comp sports and you just kind of get caught up in the swell of activity and okay, now we have to give more time to those things. Now we're giving more money to those things. And before you know it, we're kind of setting the stage. You know, we might look at Moses's words and be like idols. Like I don't have any idols in my life, but we do have idols. Our kids can be our idols. Our money can be an idol. Our sports, our activities, our hobbies, our job. Like there's so many things that this world gives us and the pressure to make that the thing, that be the main thing, the main focus. And so as parents, we have to be on guard from the very beginning to say, what as the parents are we wanting to model? What things are we elevating and saying based on our time, based on our money? What do we make the bigger priority in our family? It's pretty, it's pretty easy to start to identify those things. And as parents, we have to be the ones to say, time out, we're going to guard against that. Even if our kids are like, no, we have to do it. This is what everybody does. I won't make the team, blah, 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 all these things. That we have to start with, all right, parents, what what are we wanting to set up our family to look like? Do we want to be a God-centered home? Then what's that going to mean for the decisions that we're going to make along the way? How do we safeguard ourselves from just kind of falling into what everybody else is doing? And before we know it, we've elevated three or four things that capture our time, our money, our attention, our emotional bandwidth, and we don't even have time for God anymore. Yeah, so so some of the idols maybe you can list out. And, and parents, I really encourage you to talk about this as a couple. Talk about this in a small group maybe. What are some of the idols that your parents had? What are some of the idols that you have now? Because, again, you're passing those – these are generational idols, and you can be passing these along. So sports is a big one. We noticed that. Again, sports – a lot of these these modern idols aren't necessarily bad things, but if they become central, then that's when it becomes bad. So so if you're elevating sports too much, that's a problem. Another another thing, some some families elevate entertainment. Like entertainment is their idol, whether it's music or what you're watching on Netflix. It's like you just say, anything goes. So parents are are when your kids think about you. Do they do they just think about the shows that you're watching all the time on Netflix? I think that can become a modern idol. And of course, the biggest one, I think, Tracy, the biggest one really is money and stuff, mm-hmm. idolizing stuff. Jesus himself said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. Now, now think about what he's saying there. He says, where you put your money is where your heart will be. He doesn't say it's where your heart is. That would be interesting enough. He says it's where your heart will be. What that means is what you invest in is what your heart longs for more and more. It's like you crave it more and more. So if you keep putting money into the wrong stuff, if you keep funding your idols, what will happen is you'll fall more and more in love with your idols. If you fund God, if you give to the kingdom of God, guess what? You're going to fall more and more in love with the kingdom of God. And parents, not just you, but your kids will as well. That's why we really encourage parents to think about this principle also in terms of your giving, in terms of your money. Tracy, we talked about this with our kids all the time. You know, they would look at the neighbor who would drive up in a brand new RV and they're like, why don't we have an RV? And we would say to them, we, we could, if we weren't givers to the local church, to our church, if we weren't givers, if we didn't support missionaries and pursue God, things like that, we, we would have, we told our kids this, we would have 
more than enough money to buy whatever toy we wanted to buy. But see, we give up things we love for things we love even more. And we showed our kids, we talked about it with them, even at a young age, we showed them that money wasn't an idol for us. Yeah. And I, you know, when you, if we're honest with ourselves and I think about how much time I spent in a gym on the sidelines of football practice and football games and volleyball tournaments and traveling for those kinds of things. And then what did I make time for God? A lot of times I don't have time. I don't have time to do a quiet time or devotional. I don't have time to go to church. I'm just so tired. We've got so many other things going on. I mean, these are the, the things that as parents, like you said, it's not like they're bad things. We want to invest in our kids. We want them to have, you know, we want them to be productive with their time. And so doing things like sports or other hobbies, like those, those aren't bad things, but they become bad things. If what we're saying to our kids is you making that basketball team or that dance team that means more than anything else and we're going to show you that by the fact that we spend all of our time in the gym or in the studio and all of our money is going to those things and we don't have time for anything when it comes to God and I just think as parents we need to be honest with ourselves those excuses that we make and those things that we allow to kind of crowd out the time that we should be spending and getting to know who God is to us and then what that means for what we're trying to speak that to our kids and over our kids. It's what we're modeling. It's what we're saying. It's what we're doing. What am I saying? I don't have time for God or I do, or God is center in our life. I just think that's as parents, that's a, that's a question. We need to be honest with ourselves as we look at things. Like you said, where you're spending your money the most, that's where your heart's going to be. And that's what your kids are going to end up thinking is the more important thing. Yeah, one more quote from Jesus, Matthew six thirty three. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. And I love that. That's really this principle. It's, are you seeking the kingdom of God above everything else? Or is it? are there other things that you really are clearly by the way you spend your money, the way you spend your time? Is it pretty obvious that the kingdom of God is kind of third or fourth or fifth or sixth on the list, or maybe not even in the top 10. Because again, your your kids will know that. You, you, you can preach to them all day long about putting God first, but if you're not putting God first in your life, they're probably not going to put God first in their lives. And when they don't, when they, when they get stuff out of order, when you, when you don't have the proper priorities, that's where your marriage, that's where your family life, that's where your business, that's where everything, that's where everything starts getting out of whack is when you, when you fail to prioritize the way God calls us to. That's why he says, that's why we say that this first principle is to put God first. And we see it in, even in the first few commandments of the Ten Commandments. But a lot of people don't even realize that later on in the commandments, the fifth commandment is is a commandment specifically spoken to families. It's the only co- commandment of the ten that is specifically addressing family dynamics. So let, let's just review for people who aren't as familiar with the ten commandments. Number one, no God but me. Number two, no idols. Number three, don't misuse God's name. Number four, observe the Sabbath. So I think of those first four commandments as kind of the vertical commandments, the, the love God commandments. I want to, you know, God is telling us Moses through Moses, he's saying, get your relationship with God right in the first four. Okay. Now in the last five commandments, I'm going to skip over number five for a second. The last five commandments 
are what we would call the horizontal commandments. These are the commandments about doing relationships with people, about loving people. So commandment number six, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't falsely testify, and then don't covet. So, so look, here we have, we have the first four commandments are about loving God. The last five commandments are about loving people. And interestingly, the fifth commandment is the one that on which really all of this hinges. To me, I think this shows how central the family is in God's economy. Remember, Moses is about ready to release the people into the promised land. He's like, I want you to do well there. I, wa- I want you to have a good, solid society. The Ten Commandments are kind of like, like the, uh, you know, it's like the societal norms. It, God gave them the commandments to, to the Israelites so that they, they would have rules for their society. And right at the middle of the rules, right in the center of the rules, is the family. The family is so important in our society. And so here's commandment number five, in case you didn't know. Ready? This is the pivoting commandment. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving to you. Tracy, how powerful is that, that commandment number five is all about the family, and it's kind of like the glue that holds all the commandments together? Yeah, I mean, it just it just reminds us that as parents, we have a very important job, and we're kind of the intermediary in a lot of ways of what we model in our own pursuit of God, where we put God in our own priority list. If our kids see that we're studying God's word and trying to live a, a life that honors God, that that's helping them to see God as that loving father who who cares about that's worthy of our worship and our time. And then as we then help to train our kids to understand how do we treat people? How do we view relationships? How do we view um, telling the truth, you know, not being liars, not stealing, like all of those things, like the parental role is so important. But parents, I'm going to say the times that I have failed the most in parenting are the days that I was not plugged in to my own personal relationship with, with Jesus. Because then I'm reverting back to old patterns and in my own insecurities and my own limitations of the ways that I view things that then I'm starting to be reactionary as a parent. And now I'm modeling things and saying things and caring about things that are just not helpful for my kids. But the days that I am plugged in and that I was nurturing that my own relationship with the Lord, then as a parent, I have a whole different perspective. I have a, I have a more... I'm not in this thing alone. And what's my ultimate goal for my kids? Is it is it that I want them to be the popular kid? Or is it that I want them to love God and to live out the purpose that he has for their life? But we have to we have to be the tone setters of that in our home for our kids to watch us and to see that and to start to see that God is good and God has a plan and God has power and he cares specifically about our kids and has a plan for their life. They need to see that through the eyes of their parents at first. Yeah, so there we are in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Moses is reminding the Israelites of the Ten Commandments. He's getting ready to send them off into that promised land. They've escaped the slavery and bondage of the world of Egypt. And they're going to live thriving lives in the promised land. And here's what he says in Deuteronomy 6. This is the part we were trying to work our way toward. Here we go. Verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Now, remember, God had given those commandments to Moses way earlier in the wilderness experience. This is just his recap in Deuteronomy. And he says this, you must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. Verse 2, 
and you and your children and grandchildren. See, look, Moses is talking to parents and grandparents. He says, and you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Now, isn't that interesting? He's basically repeating commandment number five now as he's recapping all of this. And he says, listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. And you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God promised you. And so this commandment that he's giving him, this commandment is for children and grandchildren, right? And so he, he's, but he's speaking the commandment to parents and grandparents. In other words, he's expecting that it's going to be passed down generation by generation. And I think the Apostle Paul is probably having thoughts of Deuteronomy 6 when he writes Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Paul writes, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. And then he quotes this passage from Deuteronomy 6, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Isn't that interesting? Paul says, look, look at all the 10 commandments. Commandment number five is the first one that actually has a promise. Go back and read it for yourself and you'll see that Paul's right. And here's what the promise is. He says, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. Now, again, that's not some, you know, like spiritual principle. It's not like some hocus pocus thing where, where if you honor your parents, then, then on, somewhere in this spiritual realm, something's going to unlock and you're going to have this long life and a, and a healthy life and a fulfilling life. I think all it's saying is, look, God made us. He knows how we work. He didn't give us commandments like don't murder, don't covet, don't steal. He didn't give us commandments because he's a killjoy. He gave us these commandments because he knows what's best for us. And he knows that by and large, when we follow the principles that he outlines in his word, starting with the Ten Commandments, then it's just going to lead to a healthier life. It's going to lead to a longer and better life. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to be reminded, this is why as parents, it's so important with this first principle of putting God first, that a biblical worldview is a is a roadmap of why we're here and what we, what it's all about. And I, I mean, this now in this day and age, but an age-old issue has just been identity struggle. Who are we? What am I about? And so as parents, coming from a biblical worldview of saying, you know what, we're going to do it the way God designed it. We're going to follow his blueprint because he's the creator of the universe, and he created each of us, he knows the right way we're supposed to work ourselves, and then amongst each other. So let's, let's elevate God's opinion, let's elevate God's word, and let's live according to that, because it's going to answer the questions even for our kids when they come home and start saying, I don't feel like I'm pretty or handsome or tall enough or strong enough, or I don't know if I feel comfortable in my own body or or, you know, I'm trying to fit in with this crowd and I'm chasing after those things. And what God would say is, no, you're my precious creation. I created you with special abilities, like celebrate that. So as parents, like the our biblical worldview of just being obedient to what God has for us, what he says in his word is the roadmap then that we pass along to our kids so that they learn. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to listen to all the noise and all the choices that seem to be out there that our culture is trying to sell us. Just be obedient to God and to his word and don't overcomplicate it by 
wandering off into things that then you're outside of God's protection. Okay, so I can hear some parents listening to this saying, Brian and Tracy, you've convinced me like we want to raise our kids to put God first, which means we want to put God first, but you're you're having a hard time coming up with what that would look like day in and day out. So let's just finish here, Tracy, with some real practical stuff. But I want to go back to Deuteronomy 6. Okay, so we read Moses's words in the first few verses to the parents and grandparents, but I want to finish verses 4 through 9. Listen to this. This is just so powerful and how profound that this was written thousands of years ago and it's still so applicable today. Here's what he says. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Okay, first of all, I just want to pause. That's actually called the Shema. Mm-hmm. You can learn about the Shema from our in our resources at PursueGod.org if you want to. But basically, it was like a pledge of allegiance for the Israelite families. If you were if you were raised in an Israelite family, everyone would know that quote right there. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. We have a whole series explaining this, but it's interesting that the Shema is integrated into, into Jewish families from this point forward. This is how important it is, right? And then here's what he says in verse six. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Okay, he's talking about the Ten Commandments. Repeat them again and again to your children. Listen to this. We're getting practical, parents. Talk to them or talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So look, here's what he's saying. I want to make sure you understand, parents, because then we're going to apply it to our lives in modern in a modern America. He's saying, I want you to let God's law, God's word, God's word, I want to make sure that it's front and center in your home. And that means that you're talking about it with your kids. That's what he's saying. It's really that simple. Talk about God's word with your kids on a regular basis. And parents, I'm going to recommend that you start at a very young age. Even if your kids are four, five years old, we've got resources that on the kids in the kids section of PursueGod.org. When your kids get a little bit older, we've got resources in the junior high and the high school section, the student section of PursueGod.org. The whole library at PursueGod.org is set up for you to have meaningful, helpful, Christ-centered conversations with your kids on a regular basis so that as they're processing what's going on to them in the outside world, they're getting this kind of instruction inside the home and they're seeing mom and dad not just teach it, but they're actually seeing mom and dad live it out. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, when I think about some of the conversations that I'd have, like with my daughter in junior high and, you know, how mean girls can be and gossip, you know, that we were able to go to God's word and say, what is, what's, what does God's word say about gossip? How are we supposed to use our words? And then we could apply that. Like, so do you see how hurtful that is? Whether my daughter was the person being gossiped about, or she was a part of gossiping about somebody else. And kind of using these life, real life situations that were happening with our kids, bringing God's truth to that, applying God's word to that, and then just praying, like, how do I make that right? Do I need to go apologize to someone for for gossiping about them? Next time, do I need to stand up to a group and say, hey, you guys, this isn't appropriate or that's not nice. Let's not do that. 
Do we need to be able to extend forgiveness to people that don't even ask for it? If we've been gossiped about and it's hurtful to us, like these are all the things that as parents, we're training our kids as they go, learning from age 10, a concept that then comes into clear focus at 14 or 17. But we're laying that foundation of going to God's word, talking about it, applying it to their lives so they see in real time. God not only is real, God's word is true and God's word applies to our life now as it did thousands of years ago. And so parents, again, as you're, as you're modeling that, like for me as a parent, I needed to be in God's word regularly, reading God's word myself. We as a family made a point to have family time where we were talking about, you know, doing devotions together, using topics on Pursue God, talking about God's word in our, in our family, because that needed to be the starting point. Because otherwise, as a mom, if my kid's coming home saying they've been bullied or hurt or gossiped about, my initial reaction, my flesh reaction is, I want to go do to them what they've done to my kid or encourage my kid to do that. But as a parent, I have to say, okay, wait, time out. What am I wanting to model? How is this a teaching moment? Well, we can't do that, parents, if we're not rooted in God's word ourselves. We can't model for our kids that we trust God's plan if we don't ever go to him in prayer and say, God, we're going to put this opportunity of making that sports team before you. We're going to pray about it. If that door opens, great. If it doesn't, that's okay, God. We trust that sometimes you're... you're your answer's no, and it's going to bring a yes somewhere else. But it's just all about bringing life into God's word and under like overlaying God's word, his principles, praying into our family life, into our daily life so that our kids see that God is first, that when we put God first, our whole perspective on life, the whole way that we live is, is a God-directed way, trusting his way over our own way. And it's just a much more peaceful way to live. Yeah, notice we're not talking about teaching your kids theology. Now, I'm I'm not a, we're not against teaching your kids theology, but we don't want you to get the wrong idea that when we say put God first and that means you're taking all your kids through our systematic theology series online, which by the way is a great series, but it's probably not suitable for a 7 or an 8-year-old, right? Your your kids need the right truth at the right time. So, so many of our topics in the library, all of it is Bible-based. It's all scripture. It's all Bible stuff. But but for the most part, you need to make sure to meet your kids where they are and teach them biblical principles through the course of everyday life. And we get it. I know that that's hard to do because you're like, I don't really know what the Bible says about gossip. I don't know what it says about finding and making friends. I I don't know what it says about money. Well, I know it says things, but I don't know where to find it. I don't know what it says about emotions and anxiety. I don't know what it says about all the X, Y, Z, all these different things. Again, that's why we put PursueGod.org together is to empower conversations right there with your kids so that you can just be shoulder to shoulder with your kids and say, hey, this week, let's talk about anxiety. Because again, so many families never talk about that. Not because the parents don't want to talk about it. They just don't know how to talk about it. They don't know what Mm -hmm. to say about it. And so every topic at PursueGod.org is set up for, for you to have a you know, the information you need to hopefully spark just a really helpful conversation. We're not talking about an hour-long conversation even necessarily. Maybe it's just a 10 or 15-minute conversation. This is what we did with our kids at an early age. We would have family time every week, and we would come together and we would say, let's look at this topic. I remember Tracy talking about insecurity with our kids. 
Mm-hmm. I, this would have been such a helpful conversation for me to have with my parents when I was growing up, but my parents didn't really have a tool for that. We never got to that conversation. Mm-hmm. What a powerful conversation we had about insecurities. We we started giving our kids some language around it, and then we gave them biblical instruction about where their identity lies. Parents, you need to have those conversations with your kids. And that's what the Pursue God tools are all about. This is what we mean by putting God first. At a very basic level, we're just talking about making sure that, like it says here in Deuteronomy 6, that that you're talking about these kinds of things, not just theological topics. You're talking about basic life principles with a biblical understanding behind it. You're talking about that regularly with your kids when they're going to bed, when they're getting up. Basically, he's saying all the time. You just all you need to have a conversational culture in your home. And guess what, parents? When you do that, you're going to grow from it as well. Your faith is going to grow from it as well as you put God first, even in your conversations. Yeah. And of course, we just include having a community of faith too, a church that you go to, a place that you serve as a family that your kids see that putting God first means this is a priority of ours is that we want to have every week we're setting aside time because we set aside lots of more time to other things, but we're going to set aside this time and then a weekly conversation. And then I hope for as parents that, that that's a daily thing for you praying and reading God's word and, and making sure that your, your perspective is centered on what God would have so that you can pass on the right things to your kids. So if you want to lead your kids to the promised land, follow the timeless advice of Moses, the advice that he gave parents and grandparents, because families are central to living in society. Families are the, in the middle of all of it. That's why the commandment that God gave to Moses, the fifth commandment, that middle commandment was about families. It was about kids honoring their parents in the Lord And so parents, you have to put God first so that your kids would do the same thing. That's principle, parenting principle number one. Make sure to join us next time as we continue to talk about how to not just survive in the parenting years, but how to thrive and how to help your kids do the same thing. Hey listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.